We've been thinking together about revisioning in the past few days as a way of uh, taking that which we have been led to do in renovation of our physical facilities. But what a powerful spiritual experience it has been with us as well in the report that you heard from uh, Bill, uh, how wonderful the response has been. And I want us to think together further about the role that vision can play in our lives. And I first put the topic down, just uh, power of vision, but then I realized that sometimes there may be wrong visions that people have. And so I added the word right vision. I think about what's going on in the world today, and that was included in Jimmy's prayer and appreciated that that there are people in the world who have a wrong vision. They have a concept uh, that if you don't belong to our religion, we'll, we'll cut your head off, need I say more. A bad vision is a terrible thing. But God gives us a good vision. And, and the wonderful example of that is, is a story about Paul's conversion. And interestingly enough, in the book of Acts, you may, if you ever knew it, forgotten that the story of his conversion is told three times. In the very regular narrative of the Acts of the Apostles, in the ninth chapter, we have the first rendering of this as Paul's going to Damascus. A bright light comes, knocks him to the ground, blinds him temporarily. God speaks to him. And later as he tells the story, he was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. He was told to go to Damascus. He went there. Man was prepared, Ananias, to receive him, help him to get his sight back, help him to understand what his mission now would be. And this is repeated again, 22nd chapter of Acts. He is called upon to give a testimony. He's on the way to jail in Jerusalem. And he said, before we go to jail, could I, could I just say a word? <laughs> Don't ever let a preacher do that to you. And uh, he said, well, I, uh, may, maybe so. And so he, with a wave of the hand, he, he, and when people heard him speaking, they were, they were awestruck. And part, part of what his message was that day was telling about his conversion experience on the Damascus Road. Then in the 26th chapter of Acts, we have the third and final uh, story. He is before one of the Roman leaders, and he is given the opportunity to explain what this is all about, because he's on trial, he's on his way to Rome, where he will be imprisoned there and eventually uh, beheaded. But he says to King Agrippa these crucial words. He, he tells the experience that he had, the vision that he saw, and he said, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And I would hope that by the end of this service that each of us will have had a new and fresh experience of the vision of God for our lives and we'll go forth with a testimony on our hearts that says, I will not be disobedient to the heavenly vision. But I will grasp that. And what a powerful thing it is and Paul testifies to that in so many areas. He talks about in Corinthians, we preach Christ crucified. He says, 
I am resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And for Christ's love compels us, commands us, constrains us to be obedient to His will and to His glory. He says in the opening chapter of Romans, he says that he's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jews, but also to the Greek. And he understood that there was a double vision experienced in his life on the Damascus Road. One was that personal salvation that came to him as Christ revealed himself to him in this great vision of who he was and what he wanted him to do. And that was the secondary vision as to that mission God was going to send him on. We're going to send you to the Gentiles. As Jimmy read a moment ago, we're going to send you to those people whose lives are in darkness and you're to bring them the light of salvation. That twofold vision of ministry and of salvation that he was to proceed. Now, he was a man of great passion. We could, we could preach another whole sermon just on the passion of Paul in the power of the vision. But Paul went through a lot. He suffered a lot. He declares in one of his uh, letters the obstacles that he had to overcome. He had plenty of excuse to quit. He had plenty of chance to say, now Lord, you must have been confused about that vision that you gave me to take the uh, gospel to the world, but they're doing nothing but persecuting me and bad things for me. Listen to just a few of them. In prison, he was more frequently flogged, more sincerely. That's, that's 39 lashes in each of those times. Exposed to death again and again, three times beaten with rods, once stone left by the road to be dead, three times shipwrecked, night and day in the open sea, constantly on the move, the dangers of rivers, bandits, his own countrymen, the Gentiles in the city, in the country, at sea, false brothers, hungry, cold, naked, facing daily, probably the worst thing was he says that faced daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. Those are just the ones he recorded. Who knows what other things he went through because he was committed to being obedient to that heavenly vision, the vision that God was setting, setting on him and to go. That double mission of the salvation and the mission of carrying the gospel to the Gentiles. Uh, if you needed to write down now what you feel like your vision might be. God's vision for you be the double figure, uh, vision of our salvation. And I trust that all who are here will, can testify to that experience. If not, I hope you will take this opportunity to do so. And then that vision of what what am I to do? What role am I to serve? God has a plan for his church. His plan for us is not just to be uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise, but as, as a not like a ship without a rudder, just floundering around of what uh, comes about. You remember several years ago, our church entered into Rick Warren's Saddleback Church church 
there are two books. One was for the church, the purpose-driven church, and then one for individuals, the individual purpose-driven life for us to recapture that in our lives of what is the purpose, what is it about, what is, what is the role that we are to play in order for God to fulfill his mission for this church in this place at this time. One of the things that Paul had to struggle with a little bit was the, the other believers. When he was ready to go back from being in the Gentile world, go back to Jerusalem and take with him the offering that he had received from the churches to carry back to provide for the Christians in Jerusalem, Judea, who were having a difficult time because they were Christians. They would not have the privilege of making a living normally. They were, they were poor and they were taking up an offering. Everywhere he went, he took up an offering. And now he's bringing it back to Jerusalem. But there was in the group before he set his last leg toward, the, toward the Jerusalem was a, a fellow named uh, Agabus. And Agabus said, I've received in a vision that you should not go to Jerusalem. Bad things will happen to you there. And Paul's response was, said, well, it may be that bad things will happen to me, but that's not going to keep me from going. It, it, is, it is dangerously so that sometimes family, friends, other church members may, may discourage us on our journey of our mission. We must be bold to stand against that while it appears on the surface that it's a, a good warning. It may be detrimental to our discipleship path. Paul says, I'm ready to go and I'm not, I'm willing not only to be persecuted but to give my life for Christ if need be. And so he went on his mission, and eventually he was arrested there and then began the, joy, the uh, voyage to Rome, including a shipwreck and so forth, and ended his life there. We must be careful in this regard. There's an old story that preachers tell about uh, a particular bishop who was not married. And this woman came to him one day and said, Bishop, may I, may I share with you a, a, a vision I've had? He said, well, go ahead. And uh, she said, well, I was, I was praying a couple of days ago, and I received this vision, this, this uh, information that you ought to get married. And the bishop said, well, you know, that's funny. I talked to him this morning and he didn't even mention it to me. <laughs> beware of your advisors in that regard. We must be careful and be found faithful in all, all things. Paul's life was an eventful one. It was one of deep passion and deep desire, deep yearning and longing for all to come to know him. And it is sadly true that for much of Protestantism today, our churches, that we've become 
lackadaisical. We go, we're nominal in our discipleship. Someone has said that modern evangelicalism reads like an IRS 1040 form. It's all true, all the data's there, but it doesn't take your breath away. Does Christ ever take your breath away? You ever see the wonder and the glory and the passion and the power of his love that moves us in this direction? Let us open ourselves, make ourselves available through our commitment to say, as Paul did when Jesus in that vision spoke to him, what wilt thou have me to do? And Jesus laid it out. And then as he testified to King Agrippa, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. Have you, do you have a heavenly vision? Do you have a sense in which your a direction in which your life could be moving? A, a vision, they say, in, by way of definition, says it's sort of a circumstances that are the preferred circumstances in the future that is held before us as a vision of where God is trying to get us to go. And to find that vision, to embrace that, that vision, and to not be disobedient, not be neglectful, not be distracted from it, not let uh, things interfere with it, but let it be the passion of our lives and experience the power of the right vision. He created us to have a longing for that. Everything that we in our lives need, God has provided. We need water. Can't go along without it. We need bread. We need food. We need air, etc., etc. All of those things that we need, God has provided. This is true spiritually of us as well. Paul was missing something in his life. He didn't know it. He was passionate about persecuting the Christians in Jerusalem. wasn't satisfied there. He was going after them in Damascus. Isn't it interesting how history unfolds itself and repeats itself and we see happening again what Paul was a part of centuries ago. Christians being persecuted in the Middle East as they were under his hand. You recall he held the coats of those who who stoned to death the first martyr, Stephen. Now let us embrace that vision that God has for us and enter into a relationship of trust so that we can say, I will not be disobedient to whatever God calls upon me and urges me to do. And I will be joyful and glorify God in it. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your desire to give us all that we need.
to be faithful disciples. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would give us the inspiration, give us the power, give us a sense of importance, of priority, of urgency to be faithful to you in all that you call upon us to do. Help us not to be satisfied with being nominal Christians, ones who just go through the motion with little passion and practically no sacrifice. Send your Holy Spirit upon us now as we sing this great hymn, learning ourselves under the guidance of your Spirit how to trust you and obey you and bring you honor and glory and fulfill your purpose for us. For we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.